0: Chapter 14 of Idiala This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ideala by Sarah Grand. Chapter 14 The Great Hospital had been founded by an eccentric old gentleman of enormous wealth for an entirely original purpose. He observed that great buildings were erected everywhere to receive patients suffering from all imaginable bodily ills, chronic mania, of course, when the brain was diseased being one of them. But no one had thought of making provision for such troubles, mental, moral, and religious, as affected the mind. And he held that such suffering was as real, and without proper treatment, as incurable and disastrous as any form of physical ailment. He therefore determined to found an hospital for these unhappy ones, which should contain every requisite that divine revelation had suggested, or human ingenuity could devise, for the promotion of peace of mind. The idea had grown out of some great mental trouble with which he himself had been afflicted in early life, and for which the world, as it was, could offer him no relief. The first thing he did towards the carrying out of his plan was to buy a site for his hospital near a growing town on the banks of a big river. The building was to be surrounded by green fields, for the color is refreshing, and within sight of a great volume of calmly flowing water, the silent power of which is solemn and tranquilizing to the spirit and human society was to be within easy reach, for many people find it beneficial. As soon as he had found the site, which was entirely satisfactory, he set about maturing his plan for the building. Such a scheme could not be carried out in a moment, and he spent thirty years in traveling to study human nature, and architecture, and all else that should help to bring his work to perfection. At the end of thirty years he had finished a plan for the building to his own satisfaction but mr ruskin had been growing up in the meantime and had begun to write and the founder happening to come across his works by accident one day discovered his own ideas to be wrong from beginning to end however as it was the truth he was aiming at and not a justification of himself he calmly burnt his plans put his fingers in his ears, figuratively speaking, that he might not hear the rest of the world bray, and for 10 years more devoted himself to the study of Mr. Ruskin. At the end of that time, he knew something about proportion, about masses and intervals of light and shade, about the grandeur and sublimity of size and the grace and beauty of ornament about depth and harmony of color and all the other wonders that make one sick with longing to behold them. And when he had mastered all this, he determined to begin at the very beginning, that is to say, with the walls that were to enclose his vast experiment. Everything was to be real. Everything was to be solid. Everything had to be endowed with a power of expression that could not fail of its effect. And as soon as he felt he might safely begin, he hastened away to inspect the long neglected site for his wonderful building. But here an unexpected check awaited him. While he himself had been so hard at work, his future neighbors had not been idle. The town had grown to a city. The river's banks were crowded with wharves and human habitations the river itself cradled a fleet on its bosom. Its waters, once so sublimely clear and still, were turbid and yellow, befouled by the city sewers, and useful only. And all that remained to remind him of what had once been were a few acres of weeds enclosed by an iron railing, an eyesore to the inhabitants of that region, as the corporation told him. With a polite hope that he would either build on it soon or leave it alone, which was their diplomatic way of requesting him to hand the lot over to themselves. And this he might have done had they said, please. But when he found the young city so ignorant, he thought it his duty to teach it manners. So he took a year or two more to consider the matter then he perceived that if he built his house on the site as it was now he should do even more good than he had intended for the constant completion of such a stately pile would help to elevate the citizens outside the building while those within might find comfort in seeing themselves surrounded by even greater misery than their own and so the building rose and grew to perfection and they found, after all, that no better site could have been chosen for it. For far from every side, as you approached it, it was seen to advantage, and the majesty and power of it were made manifest. Outside, the design was so evident in its grandeur that the mind was not wearied and perplexed by an effort to understand. It was simply elevated to a state of enjoyment bordering on exultation, exultation without excitement, and near akin to peace. And the interior of the building, as you entered it, maintained this first impression. Such ornament as there was touched you, as the clouds do, with a sense of suitability that left nothing to be desired. Art was so perfectly hidden that there seemed to have been no striving for its effect in decorational construction. It looked like a work of nature, accomplished without effort and beautiful without design and the mind brought under its influence and left free of conjecture was gently compelled to revel in the peace which harmonious surroundings insensibly produce disturbing thoughts vanished as being too common and mean too human for such a place and the spirit was soothed with a sense of repose of sensuous restfulness, really, for the pleasure, as intended, affected the senses more than the intellect, which could here make holiday. Work-wearied brains were thus eased from pressure, and minds a prey to doubts and other disturbing thoughts which impaired their strength, if they did not render them useless, were at once relieved. And this was the beginning of the treatment, which was afterwards continued in other parts of the building, and by other means, until the cure was complete. Arrangements being made for the removal of cases that proved to be hopeless to those older establishments, which have long existed at the expense of the country, or as the outcomes of private enterprise. Of course, the staff of such a place had to be formed of men of a high order and some of these had been patients themselves and had been chosen on that account, it being thought that those who had suffered from certain ills would be apt to detect the symptoms in others and able to devise remedies for them, which proved to be the case. The establishment was munificently endowed and liberally supported, and the master, as he was reverently called, lived just long enough to see that it was a success. He had not thought of extending the charity to women, being under the impression that no such provision was necessary for them. He acknowledged that they had a large share of physical suffering to endure, but asserted that nature, to preserve her balance, must have arranged their minds so as to render them incapable of suffering in any other way. Sentimentality, hysteria, and silliness, he said, were at the bottom of all their mental troubles, which did not, therefore, merit serious attention. End of chapter 14